Hi there, we're your IP consultants. This is about to be highly indulgent. So sit back and unpack your anti-convulsants. And we'll tell you where to shove your Stanleys and Vulcans. We'll use this device for unsolicited advice. You didn't ask us for it, but you can't beat the price. We offer up our services from the U.S. to Sweden. We're your IP consultants, Vincent and Ian. Hello, Internet, and welcome to another episode of the IP Consultants Podcast. We are your IP Consultants. My name is Ian. And my name is Vincent. And today, we're taking a look at another video game property. Uh, Last episode, we did Super Mario and the movie that they should be making. And this week, we're looking at a property that's not really been in the public eye since about 2001. Well, in terms of memes, it's been, you know, popping in and out. You see Commander Keen memes every once in a while. Oh, sure, sure. But I'm saying they haven't made a game in the series. That's true. There have been fan games, too. Yeah. They haven't made a game in the series since 2001. Yeah, and nobody really counts the 2001 Game Boy game as canon, even, as far as no, I'm No, no, not at all. It had one of the developers of the original game involved, but that was mostly for doing art, not even for development. But anyway, we are speaking about Commander Keen. Right. Basically what started ID Software, or id Software, I'm not sure how we ever pronounce that. I think it's id, because it's lowercase, so... D- yes, exactly. So I'm guessing it's id, but... This game was a big part of my childhood. This game series, I should say, especially games four through six. The Commander Keen series was the first use of 360 scrolling in a 2D platformer on the PC platform, I believe. Yeah, it was a a DOS game. Yeah, and the first Commander Keen game was, it started as a test of the engine, which was called Dangerous Dave in Copyright Infringement, which was John Carmack, I think, made (laughs) this game that was just Dangerous Dave from the Dangerous Dangerous Dave game in Super Mario 3 because that's a scrolling game. So it was testing the engine by doing that. And then he and Tom Hall and John Romero got together and made the first Commander Keen game slash trilogy, which was called Invasion of the Vorticons. Now, this was in the age of... The first three games are technically episodes under that main title. Yes, because this was the age of... The first episode was a shareware title. Yes, exactly. This was the age of shareware. The first game, Marooned on Mars, was the free game, and then you could... Order games two and three, which were The Earth Explodes and Keen Must Die, I believe. Yeah, I'm looking at the Wikipedia for it here. And uh, yeah, Commander Keen Invasion of the Vorticons was released in 1990. Marooned on Mars, The Earth Explodes and Keen Must Die. Yep. Technically episodes all under the game Invasion of the Vorticons. Commander Keen in Invasion of the Vorticons. Right. And then there was Keen Dreams, which was in a different engine. It looked better and it had a faster jumping response. The Invasion of the Vorticons engine had a problem where you hit jump and it jumps like a second later and it's super frustrating. Yeah, there's a little bit of lag. Yeah, the engine was improved a lot with the following games starting with Keen Dreams. Keen Dreams was, I think it was released with a disc magazine or something. So it was like a little special. It was not a numbered episode and it's a little... Yeah, they consider it episode 3.5 usually, but it was the first game released by id technically because the company before was called Ideas from the Deep and they were a team and then that Carmack, Romero and Hall were on and this became 
game, the first id software game. Right. Keen Dreams was a little bit of the Super Mario 2 of the Commander Keen series because it's all a dream. And that's how they kind of get away with it not being an episode. It's not a thing that really happened. I guess we don't have to get into the plot right now, but it's a dream. And then after that, there was a two game series called Goodbye Galaxy, consisting of the Secret of the Oracle and the Armageddon Machine. And then after that, there was Aliens Ate My Babysitter, which was a single game. Yep. Episode six, technically. Yeah. The seventh game was episode six. The seventh game was episode six. It was a standalone episode, whereas the other ones had multiple episodes under one title. Right. And that was the same sort of engine as, or at least the same look as the previous three games, uh, Commander Keen Dreams, Commander Keen 4, and Commander Keen 5. Yeah. According to this, it featured a modified engine from Goodbye Galaxy as it was developed between the fourth and fifth game. Mm. <laughs> right. So it was developed between Secret of the Oracle and Armageddon Machine. Right. But it says it's numbered as the sixth episode, but it was developed between four and five. So when I was a little kid, I didn't have a console. For quite some time, I didn't have Windows. I was a DOS kid for some time, so I played a lot of DOS games for a while. Or uh, I guess I played mainly a handful of DOS games for a while. But Commander Keen 4 and 5 were among like my favorite games and Commander Keen 6 as well, which I got eventually somehow. I don't think I bought them. I don't even know where I got these games. Well, a lot of this was shareware in the era of shareware, too, where you at least got the first chapter for free and then you had to pay for the second one. I definitely got Commander Keen 4 from a friend at school. Yeah, because that one was the shareware chapter. Yep, so I got really into the games and I got really into the story of the games. I thought it was a very interesting concept. Obviously, the concept, I guess we should get into the premise here. The premise is Commander Keen is Billy Blaze. He's an eight-year-old genius kid. Eight-year-old genius. Yeah, who built a spaceship in his backyard clubhouse, I guess out of soup cans and vacuum cleaners and car batteries and stuff, junk. He built this ship called the Beans with Bacon Mega Rocket. And it doesn't look like it's built out of junk. It looks legit. It looks like a small... It looks like a rocket. Yeah, it looks like a small spaceship, like for one person. And he flies this ship in the first game. He flies it to Mars to explore. And the Vorticons steal bits of his spaceship. And then he has to get them back. Because he's a genius and they feel threatened by him. So they want to stop him so that they can invade Earth. Yeah. And that's the second game. They invade Earth. And then in the third one, there's more of a sort of showdown between Commander Keen and another kid genius from his school who's like the rival genius who is like Mortimer McMire. Yeah, Mortimer McMire is one point above Billy Blaze in IQ. And that's kind of the conflict. Well, I guess the conflict is about more than that, but that's sort of how it's explained. And that trilogy of episodes, I guess, could be one movie. Like you could do a movie where it's like you you do the trip to Mars, you do the crash, you do the aliens taking his stuff, then they invade Earth and he befriends one of the Yorps from Mars. Yeah, which is like a pet, basically. Yeah. I have to jump in here real quick to interject that you obviously have a lifelong love of this series, having played them because you didn't have a console, you had DOS. When I was a kid, I had console and didn't have DOS. I didn't have a computer until I was in high school. And I've never played the Commander Keen games. All of my information I'm getting from Wikipedia here. So I don't have quite the inherent knowledge that you have from playing the games. I've seen them, but I never have played them myself. Right. So you're getting both sides of the spectrum here, listeners. Right. As far as people's experience on this product. And you're talking for this podcast. Uh, we're not talking about making another Commander Keen game. We're talking about adapting the series to a movie because it's a viable intellectual property and one that probably should be adapted. They just announced. I'm, I'm sorry to interject here. Uh, they just announced that they have a director for a Minecraft movie. <laughs> and if they can make a movie about Minecraft, we 
can have a Commander Keen movie. And that is the point of why we're talking about this cold property currently. Right. Although there was announced another trilogy back in the day called The Universe's Toast. Oh, yeah. Which was never made. I should say that those six games came out in two years. <laughs> yes. The first Commander Keen three-part trilogy was released in 1990. 3.5 was released in 91. And then 4, 5, and 6 were released in 91. So you had seven games come out in two years. Yeah, and they got really busy with Doom and everything else after that. So it kind of took over. Yeah, because Wolfenstein 3D became so popular and they were developing Doom, they stopped working on Commander Keen. Right. So the Universe's Toast never officially came out. There is a fan-made Universe's Toast trilogy based on the engines of the four through six games, which I've played. And in terms of the gameplay experience, it's pretty much the same as games four through six. It's, I mean, the levels are different. They've redrawn all the sprites and stuff. The enemies move a lot similarly to the enemies in games four through six because it's using the same engine. But overall, it's definitely comparable. It feels like a continuation. It's not really an evolution of it because it's using the same engine. It's very much the same, but it feels like it's part of the series. So I would say the universe is toast. While it it is technically a fanfic, it kind of works as part of the series. There's also other fan-made games like Atroxian Realm, which is a gigantic game I'm playing right now based on the Commander Keen engine. And there's also Commander Keen 58 and Commander Keen 59, which are like parody games where you play as old Commander Keen. They're pretty funny. (laughs) And they're also based on the same engines. I would like to see a 3D Keen game, like Mario 64 type of game with the pogo stick and all of the stuff that you would have in a Commander Keen game, but in a 3D environment. I don't know exactly how it would work, but I feel like you could do like trick jumps with a pogo stick and wall jumps. It could get interesting. I don't know exactly how. It could get a little chaotic, but I kind of want to see it. And also with the shooting, it would be hard, but you could do some kind of auto aiming. Lock on. Yeah. There's a lot of lock. Yeah. Yeah. So I would like to see a 3D keen game. But yes, as movies, I think you could do the first three games or the Invasion of the Vorticons trilogy as one movie. I think you could do the Goodbye Galaxy two games as one movie. And I think you could do Aliens Ate My Babysitter as one movie. Sure. You could maybe switch the order around a little bit so that Goodbye Galaxy is the third movie and Aliens Ate My Babysitter is the second. That's a way you could do it because especially the title feels more like the final movie unless you also do the universe's toast after. You could do four movies, I suppose, and just do them in the order. Yeah, you definitely could make the universe's toast if you're thinking about a series. But let's hone the focus in here a little. Yeah. And talk about just the first movie. Yeah. Which would be an adaptation of the first three episodes under the one title Invasion of the Vorticons. Right. I think there's a lot of different ways of doing it. I think generally I would say the safest thing you could possibly do is an animated movie. That was the impression I was getting as well. Like 2D animation with some CGI mixed in. Yeah, that would kind of retain the look of the original games, but I was kind of thinking more along the lines of Captain Underpants because Billy is an eight-year-old. He's an eight-year-old genius. Yes. This is obviously already kind of, especially with the coloration and and the art style, it is kind of a kid-focused series. Oh, absolutely. So the adults who played it back in the day obviously are going to have the nostalgia for it, but it could be very much a diary of a wimpy kid, Captain Underpants kind of kid property done now. But it's an IP that already exists and could be adapted. And I absolutely think that animation is the way to go for that. But I think 
probably, if you're going to do it, do it in the style of the way the Captain Underpants movie was done. That sort of pseudo 3D CGI that they did. And also, there's already going to be that comparison with Commander Keen and the Spaceman Spiff character from Calvin and Hobbes. Oh, absolutely. I think that's <laughs> pretty certainly, I haven't seen it confirmed anywhere, but I'm pretty sure that's the main inspiration for Commander Keen is Spaceman Spiff. Because again, <laughs> child genius, uh, it might be imaginary or it might actually be happening. It's a little ambiguous. It's it's very much Calvin and Hobbes-esque. Yeah, it definitely might have some inspiration from there. So Yeah, and I think, obviously, while it is inspired by Spaceman Spiff, there is so much of its own ideas in it oh, sure. that it's not like a straight-up Spaceman Spiff knockoff. It's more of an homage. and It's a Spaceman riff. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> While I do think doing a full-on CGI movie is one possible way of doing it, I did recently watch a movie called Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Oh, excellent film. And I kind of think that that kind of style of just mixing different animation styles would be a very effective way of doing it, especially if you get those guys to do it. Yeah, so we're already saying Sony animated pictures should be taking this because they are trying to patent that animation style already since that movie came out. I think that movie's style is particularly comic book effective because there's definitely usage of the Kirby Crackle on screen in that and the different animation styles based on the different characters. Well, yeah, you don't have to do it the exact same way. Obviously, they wouldn't do it the exact same way because it's a different medium they're doing. But I'm sure that animation style could be adapted kind of, I almost want to say 8-bit or, or, or 8-bit-esque considering it was DOS and it wasn't really a bit rate. But <laughs> I mean, well, there was. But yeah, you can utilize pixelation as an artistic choice. Pixelation is what I meant to say, yeah. With energy and stuff. Yeah, I absolutely think you can do that. And that's kind of what I mean, is you can play around with the sort of video gaminess. I guess it's also treading into the territory of Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Sure. So in terms of filmmakers, I mean, if you were going to do it live action, you get Edgar Wright. (laughs) But if you're going to do it... In animation, I think the top choice would be to have Lord Miller involved in some capacity as like producers or something to to oversee the project. Either producers or writers, yeah. Yeah, working alongside Tom Hall to make sure that it's honoring what Commander Keen was intended to be. Yeah. I think that's the general angle to take creatively. And I think in terms of the look of it, you could do it like a version of what they did with Into the Spider-Verse, or you could do it more in a traditional animation style of like the sort of Futurama type of thing. Yeah, yeah. Where you use drawn animation in combination with cel-shaded CGI. Really, the only reason I recommended the CG from the Captain Underpants movie, as far as the pseudo-3D look of it, is because a lot of the modern movies for kids are done in that style. Right, that would be a style they would recognize. Yes, exactly. But the more traditional 2D hand animation is always going to be stylistically a version that I prefer. And obviously, since this is an older IP, something that would be well-suited for it. Yeah. But I'm more thinking ahead of what are the current trend for it that has been popular and does well at the box office. Yeah, I think both of those approaches are totally fair approaches. It's just in terms of capturing the art style of the games, because there is, I mean, yes, there's pixelation, but there is elements of where you get to see more detailed artwork in the games, like loading screens and stuff like that. Sure, sure. And the art style in the game is very appealing, and I think it would be interesting to see that in a hand-drawn animated movie. And Hall did a lot of that animation, too. I mean, he did a lot of that artwork, I should say. Yeah, I think Tom Hall was, like, the main designer and 
the story person behind the games. And John Romero and John Carmack did more of the game aspects, I think. Yeah, that's what I read as well. And in the Game Boy Color game, which we don't talk about, just the Commander Keen game that they released in 2001, Tom Hall's only involvement was drawing some art for the box and a few of the screens, apparently. So Right. Because of this whole child imagination aspect of it, because there is an ambiguity built into the premise of Commander Keen, where, like, you're constantly being told by the narrative that this is a child genius, he really made a spaceship, it's really happening, it's a spaceship called the Beans with Bacon Mega Rocket, its propulsion system is based on a vacuum cleaner, and you're being told that this is the truth of the narrative, but at the same time there's this under-the-surface implication of maybe he's just imagining it, maybe he's just a kid playing in the backyard, and I think that sort of magic of it is something that, it's the same kind of wish-fulfillment type of thing as Harry Potter and stuff like that. Yeah. And Harry Potter is something that is, you know, primarily aimed at kids that a lot of adults are into. So I think you could... Well, the first books definitely were aimed at kids. Right. But as the characters got older, the fan base got older too, so... Right. But I think there's an element of nostalgia built into it because there's this sort of thing of memory of being a child and playing. Absolutely. And I think that appeals to all ages. So I think I would advise anyone writing a Commander Keen movie or, I don't know, cartoon for television or whatever to try to just write a really good story that makes you care, that you feel something for, and don't just talk down to kids, because that never works. No, never. Kids are way smarter than you give them credit for. That's the difference between a lot of these animated movies made for the younger kids and the ones that do well and the ones that don't. I'm talking to you, the emoji movie. (laughs) And there's got to be a little element of both, because these kids aren't going to be going seeing this movie by themselves. We have to entertain the adults that are stuck in the theater with them, too. Yeah, I think the overall tone of it needs to be something akin to Gravity Falls. Absolutely. Yes. Uh, 100%. I am an adult and I watched Gravity Falls. I was an adult already when Gravity Falls came around. And when I watched it, I was an adult and I enjoyed it greatly. It's a very great show. So in terms of the kind of tone and the kind of humor and the kind of mystery and intrigue and stuff that you want to include in this, I think it should be very much in the vein of something like Gravity Falls or the Lego movie. Would you say getting Alex Hirsch involved in maybe the scripting and having Lord and Miller produce it? I would say that is extremely fair. That would be pretty much ideal. And obviously you get Tom Hall involved as a consultant. Yeah, definitely. To make sure that everything is in the spirit of the games. And the story points that he would want to have yeah. in an adaptation. And in terms of movies, just doing a quick over on how you do it. You do first movie is the first three games. The first three episodes, yes. The second movie is maybe episodes four and five. And then third movie is episode six. And then the fourth movie is... The unreleased game. Yeah, the one that was never made, The Universe is Toast. And I think the thing you can do with Keen Dreams is a TV special. A 22-minute TV special of Keen Dreams as an extra thing. Or a short that's shown theatrically before some other movie that, that Sony's putting out or something. As a way of advertising. Building hype. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a Pixar short that's on the Blu-ray later or something. <laughs> and I think Keen Dreams should be a musical. The reason is there were pieces of music made by, you, you know, the, the guy who made uh, the music for Doom. Robert Prince made some songs for uh, Keen Dreams and 
they weren't included in the game. They were shelved because there wasn't enough space on the floppy disk for, for the music. So the music was not included in the game, but it was later rehashed or reused for Commander Keen 4, The Secret of the Oracle. The song was called Eat Your Veggies, and it has lyrics. Those lyrics were written. They were obviously never used. They were never in the game. They were never in Commander Keen 4. There were never any lyrics to any of the music, but there was literally a musical number written for Keen Dreams. And I think if you're going to do a 22-minute short based on Keen Dreams, you write songs for it and you include Eat Your Veggies. Eat Your Veggies is a song that has become associated with the dope fish because it appears in the same level as the dope fish. The dope fish, of course, is a fish that became a meme, a fish that was inspired by the ravenous bug bladder beast of Troll from the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. There's a lot of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy references in the Commander Keen series. But the song, it's one of those songs that has become a little bit of a meme. But that song originally was written for Keen Dreams, and I think that should be included in the Keen Dreams 22-minute special as a musical number, along with (laughs) newly written musical numbers to fill out the story. I think that would be how you do that if you're going to do that. Okay, so we've got the basic outline for the Commander Keen film series and a short for adapting Keen Dreams. As far as what we'd like to see, basically adapt the games. You adapt the first three episodes, which are under the the header, the Invasion of the Vorticons. Vorticons. You adapt those three episodes as the first movie. Your second movie is Secret of the Oracle and Armageddon Machine Makeup Goodbye Galaxy. So you're saying Secret of the Oracle is a standalone movie? No, no. Those two together, Goodbye Galaxy is a movie. Those two together make Goodbye Galaxy a movie. And then Aliens Ate My Babysitter, which is a standalone game, that would be the third movie. The Universe is Toast is the fourth movie. Yes. So adapt, just adapt those games 100% directly into a filmic format. Well, obviously you can't adapt them directly because they're platform games and most of the games you're spending just walking around trying to solve puzzles. I meant mostly as plot, obviously. Yes, but what you add, I think, is primarily interactions with other characters. There are interactions with other characters in the games, but they're sort of every once in a while you bump into a character and there's a little bit of dialogue. I think you would include more of that and I think you would probably have Commander Keen talk to someone for the duration of the thing. I think maybe you give a voice to his wrist computer so that he has someone to talk to when he's on his own. By himself. So that you can have some actual dialogue in the movie. I think there's stuff like that and you... Yeah, expand the character, obviously. Yeah, in Commander Keen 4, there's a brief encounter with a character named Princess Lindsay who just gives him a tip for something to do in another level. But that character, Princess Lindsay, you could give that character a bigger role in the story and have her be more of a constant presence. You can have... Maybe there's a translator in the wrist computer that allows the Yorp, the pet Yorp, to talk to Commander Keen or something. Like, there's stuff you can do to flesh it out. And in the Secret of the Oracle, there's the council or whatever they're called. There's a bunch of bearded old guys. Those guys could be more... There's eight of them. They'd be around. <laughs> stuff like that. Well, that's, that's stuff like that. Obviously, I wasn't saying, you know, just adapt the thing whole hog. Obviously, you want to make a movie and not a game. Yeah. And there's obviously going to be differences between playing through levels and something that you sit and watch. Yeah. So clearly it's not going to be as cut and dry as the blanket statement I made. Yeah. In terms of the idea of the story. Yeah. In terms of the idea of the story is what I meant. Yes. Is adapt the story from those games. Right. That said, the character of Billy Blaze, who is Commander Keen in the games, because they are made by id Software and the developers of Commander Keen also did Wolfenstein 3D and Doom, there is word that Commander Keen is a descendant of the protagonist of the Wolfenstein series, B.J. Blazkowicz. Yeah, he's the grandson. But of course, if you do it now, he would probably be the great 
great grandson because yeah because much much time has passed since the series if you said it today unless you said it in the early 90s which you could also do that is also a good possibility because you know obviously modern technology would be a little different as far as cell phones forms of communication internet stuff that would have a large influence into the story so setting it into the 90s would probably be a decent idea too right and also help ground that nostalgia feeling for the fans who actually remember the game series right well in the current wolfenstein games that id is doing with machine games and being released by activision they've kind of rebooted the storyline as far as what bj blaskovich is doing well it's a different timeline it's a different timeline thing now where the nazis actually took over and bj was out and now it's in the 60s and 70s and he's trying to stop the nazis in the games now bj has twin daughters and they are going to be the protagonist of the next wolfenstein game so i'm wondering if in the games one of the daughters will have a child that that child will be young billy named after their father <laughs> i think commander keen is supposed to be the son of the son of bj blaskowitz i believe the son of bj was a talk show personality of some sort and that's why he changed his name to blaze but also this is a different timeline obviously commander keen is not from the timeline where the nazis won he's from the original timeline where they didn't yes which is from the original wolfenstein well not not the very original wolfenstein it's not castle wolfenstein but the original wolfenstein 3d games yes. that id software did what i think is do you have grandpa bj be a character in the films too or at least be a presence some sort of photo reference to grandpa blaskovich or something i think what you do is you have a line somewhere in the first act where you reference his grandfather having fought the nazis you don't mention him by name you don't show a photo of him but you use it as a bit of character motivation as a thing of like there's something that he has to live up to keen's sense of adventure he gets from his grandfather yeah you know something like that either he mentions it or maybe his parents mention his grandfather so you have some reference to his grandfather or great-grandfather depending on when the movie takes place but you make some reference to it without mentioning him by name without showing a picture in part because the rights have split off in different directions and it's a whole complicated mess (laughs) because if you got to get the rights to commander keen i don't know who has those right now and then you got to also get the rights to wolfenstein it's a lot of rights to get from different angles i don't think you go quite so far as to be specific about it but i do think you make some little winky reference that has an emotional meaning the only reason i ask that is because i'm basically wanting to know if we're starting a commander keen cinematic universe and, and have it going back to wolfenstein movies and forward in time to the doomslayer who is apparently also related well i'm obviously joking i'm obviously kidding about that but that is an option <laughs> i think if you could get the rights i think that's something that you open a door to you do the commander keen movie and then if that does well and if you manage to get the rights to wolfenstein and doom then you do maybe the wolfenstein movie and then you do maybe a crossover movie where the parallel universes crash together and billy blaze has to meet the daughters of the other bj blaskowicz and you do that kind of thing there's a possible story there to tell i don't know that there's a necessary story there to tell but oh no definitely not no this is just another excuse of mine to go into the tangents of weird that we seem to drop into an episode every now and then oh yeah yeah that is a direction (laughs) that it could take i think there's a lot of things you could do with it i think you could also maybe get some rights to other early 90s shareware games and do some crossovers with Cosmos Cosmic Adventure. I mean, there's Duke Nukem, obviously, but that became a whole thing after that. Yeah, but the original Duke Nukem's not the first person shooter ones, the Duke Nukem platformer game, which is totally different look, too. That's what I'm talking about. What I kind of like about that version of Duke Nukem is he's a lot less hyper masculine. Well, I mean, he is like a parody of hyper masculinity still, but he wears a pink shirt and he makes 
explicit reference to watching Oprah, and it's nice. And then the Duke Nukem 3D games all sort of went hyper, hyper masculine on it and took it in a sort of less fun direction. I thought it was more fun when he was kind of subverting the expectation of a hyper masculine action hero. There was very much a Army of Darkness and They Live influence on the Duke Nukem 3D games. Oh, yeah. Especially with the dialogue that he says. Well, yeah, he says straight up quotes from movies. Yeah. And just him saying groovy over and over again in a slight Ash Williams, Bruce Campbell kind of way is clearly showing the influence of that. He also says the bubblegum line from They Live. From They Live, yeah. You know, outright quoting They Live, you know, getting all these tough guy movie leads to kind of influence the character of Duke definitely pushed that in that direction. Yeah, but I think you could do maybe a crossover with the original Duke Nukem, the more subverty Duke Nukem, who didn't necessarily 100% fit the stereotype of the action hero. I think that would be fun. Definitely, I agree. There's Monster Bash. Monster Bash is something you could definitely do a crossover (laughs) with. I'm not familiar. Monster Bash is a game about a kid in footy pajamas going around with a slingshot fighting zombies and there's like blood and heads rolling and it's a 2D platformer and it came out around the same time I think. I played that as a kid. Wait, is that an NES title? No. It's and just... you like turn into a monster every so often? I, no. It's a shareware DOS game called Monster Bash. Huh. I don't know if there's another Monster Bash. I might be thinking of Monster Party which sounds very similar. Oh yeah, that could be it. But yeah, Monster Bash, that's also a possible movie and then you could do a crossover. I think there is a fan game where Commander Keen goes on an adventure in the world of Monster Bash, but I think you could do a Monster Bash Commander Keen crossover because they're both kids. Well, hey, if we're crossing over into other kids having kid adventures in imaginary possible lands, th- having those lands be possibly imaginary, they think they're real. Why, why not just throw Little Nemo into this thing? Let's throw him in the mix too. His adventures in Dreamland. Well, Little Nemo is originally, I believe, a comic. It was a comic, yes, but they're also definitely worth. They've done animated movies, but they've also had video games of Little Nemo too. It's a fair thing because it's part of the same sort of legacy of those kinds of stories of kid fantasy and there's an element of imagination that is very present in the style of it and I I think yeah Little Nemo is definitely an example of that kind of thing and I think that's definitely something that would very easily cross over with Commander Keen especially since Commander Keen Dreams is a thing. I'm trying to think of other shareware games I played as a kid. Well there was a shareware game called God of Thunder where you play as Thor Uh, (laughs) but I mean there's kind of a famous Thor in the movies already. Yeah, maybe. Uh, yeah, we may have had a couple movies with him. There's so many puzzle games. Uh, Not really a whole lot of things with plot. One of those games where you're a worm that eats fruit. Oh, Cyber Dogs was a game that I played as a kid. Top-down shooter with a couple of guys just walking around shooting. I don't know if there's a story there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think we're kind of grasping at straws in terms of crossover potential. Just a little bit. But in terms of Commander Keen specifically, I think there's so much that can be done with Commander Keen without necessarily doing that much to change what's already there because there's so much already there. I mean, there's a series of games with well-defined stories and artwork that has a distinct style and it has characters with personalities. I mean, Billy Blaze himself, Commander Keen, is a snarky eight-year-old genius. That's a fun character. And the council have their distinct personalities where they mention things they're interested in and talk in certain ways. And I think in terms of just finding the voice of it. I think playing the games or reading all the dialogues from the games gives an idea of how these characters talk. And I think in terms of drawing from something to write a script, I think there's enough in the games that it's not a huge, difficult task of creating a bunch of new stuff. I think it's more taking the stuff and contextualizing it as 
a coherent scene for scene story. Sure, absolutely. As opposed to level by level, like now you're going through this village, you're collecting these things and you're doing this and that. Instead of doing that, you obviously go, okay, here's this character going through the situation and has to overcome some maybe inner conflicts and some external conflicts and you find a way of balancing those. And like, that's the challenge of it is sort of making the story work on that level. But in terms of the stuff of plot, it's already there. And I think in terms of story, I think what you do is you sit down and you think about it and then you come up with it. That's all you got to do. Basically, for those of you out there who may not have ever played these games like myself, these games did pass me by. The first five games are available on Steam. So the Commander Keen Invasion of the Vorticons, which is episode one, Marooned on Mars, episode two, The Earth Explodes, and episode three, Keen Must Die, which would make up the first movie, are also included with Commander Keen and Goodbye Galaxy, which is episode four, Secret of the Oracle, and episode five, Armageddon Machine. All of those are included in one pack for five dollars on Steam. That is a pretty good deal for some pretty good games. So you can play these and get an idea for the feel of the art style that we're talking about because it is a very distinct art style. Especially Goodbye Galaxy. It's a lot less evolved in the Invasion of the Vorticons, although there is an idea for a story there. I think the idea for the art style is very much look to Goodbye Galaxy and Aliens Ate My Babysitter for reference on that. Yeah. Aliens Ate My Babysitter is not included. Right. And Keen Dreams are not included. But the art style, at least in the Goodbye Galaxy game, is more of the one that we're talking about as far as the depiction of the characters. And especially probably with how Keen interacts with the characters that he does come in contact with, his snarky eight-year-old genius kind of style is definitely something that should be adapted and kind of further fleshed out in any kind of movie adaptation. So basically what we're saying here is, yes, these are something classic, but it's still out there for you to find and really kind of easy for you to find. It's on Steam, so it's definitely something that you can look into and see why we think this might be something that is worthy of an adaptation, an IP that should be explored into a filmic universe. Right. I will also say there is a fan-made remake of Commander Keen 1, Marooned on Mars, done with the engine from Goodbye Galaxy. I tried to play it and it was going great and then I went into a teleporter and the game froze and... It's a little broken, unfortunately. So I don't know if that's ever going to be fixed or if you just pretty much have to give up if that happens. I guess save often and save multiple. I only saved one slot. So once I went to that teleporter, the only thing I could do was load the save and go back right into the teleporter again and it froze again. So I was kind of fucked. But yeah, Invasion of the Vorticons, not a great game engine. It was obviously the first game engine to use officially 360 scrolling in a platformer. As far as for DOS. Yeah for DOS. So it's janky, but in terms of Goodbye Galaxy, it is highly playable. To this day, I could play it over and over again. I'm still playing mods of it. Goodbye Galaxy holds up 100%. It is excellent gameplay. But as far as the movies we're talking for the Invasion of the Vorticons movie is adapting the story of that, which is, you know, eight-year-old genius Billy Blaze building his rocket ship the beans with bacon mega rocket Yeah, and flying to Mars and learning of their invasion plans. They try to stop him. He gets back to Earth to warn all of that stuff, all of the main overarching plot from the first game. Yeah, and I think just reading that plot and looking at the art from the Goodbye Galaxy and Aliens Ate My Babysitter games, I think you can get an idea of what the movie should be without necessarily having to play Invasion of the Vorticons. Although, if you feel like playing Invasion of the Vorticons and living through the jumping mechanism, do it. 
but you don't need to to get the story. You don't need to to get the story, but you do need to for at least probably some of the characters like the dog-like character or any of the people that he interacts with, like his parents, to warn them about the invasion. Most of that is just in text. Yeah. It's just given in text at the beginning and end of the game, and you don't really need to play the game to get it because you don't really get to see that in the game. Even the Yorp pet, I don't think that's actually part of the gameplay as far as I can recall. I don't know if I even finished the first game because of the jumping mechanism, <laughs> but I think maybe the pet Yorp is just part of the story as given in text at the end of the game and the beginning of the next game. I don't think the Yorp is ever actually part of the gameplay. There's Yorps in the gameplay. You run into Yorps all over the place. The game is absolutely littered with Yorps, but I don't think the pet Yorp is actually in the gameplay. Yeah, so at least you can see what the Yorp's supposed to look like. But yeah. Yeah, it's a one-eyed green thing. Yeah, and the dope fish is obviously something that has to be in it because it's kind of the most iconic thing of the game, considering all the memes for it. Commander meme. That's <laughs> uh, Yeah, the dope fish is in the Secret of the Oracle. It's in the underwater level, obviously. Yep. You're swimming around and there's this big fish that is really dopey looking. Dopey looking, exactly. Goofy eyed and buck toothed. Yeah, and I think it's description. I don't know, but it's from the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. They took it from the Ravenous Bug Ladder Beast of Troll. It's the inspiration behind that thing. Uh, but yeah, the dope fish is definitely something you include. Yeah, so I think we've kind of, there's not really a whole lot we can say about this, and I think we've said all that we can really say about this as far as adapting this and how it should be adapted. Again, animation's probably the straight way to go for this. I think it would kind of lose part of its charm if it was in live action. Yeah, I think in live action, there's a risk of it becoming kind of Disney Channel-y where it just doesn't have Very any so. crossover appeal outside of the eight-year-old demographic, in part because there's a kid and in part because it's just really hard to sell that in live action and have it really work as a movie of having it focused entirely on a kid and not have a bunch of adults around. I think that as animation, it has more possibility of appealing to a wider audience of all ages, families and so on. Yeah, definitely. But if you did do it in live action, you got to make it really kind of grimy, but at the same time, really goofy. And you got to make it all look really fake, but at the same time, look really real, which means you got to use puppets and stuff. <laughs> There'd probably have to be two sets. The way Keen sees it and the way it actually is, if we're going hard on that, is it really in his imagination kind of angle? No, I think you do it how it really is as what's going on, but you'd make it look kind of a little bit fake in a very movie way, Yeah, but in an old movie way, not in a way where it's all CGI, because I think in a way that there's things there, but we see the strings attached. <laughs> yeah, or we see the seams on the puppets and you do it like a Muppet movie almost. Almost, yeah. Yeah, I think that's kind of the angle or like a Terry Gilliam movie, like an old Terry Gilliam movie where like you can see how things are made with a thought around Winnie the Pooh type of stuff. Because that's, again, Winnie the Pooh is also part of the same legacy of like, is this really happening or is this just in this kid's imagination? And there's never really a time in Winnie the Pooh in the narrative where it says, this is all the kid's imagination. We're all just left to imagine that it's the kid's imagination because that's... Yeah, exactly. It's presented as reality, but at the same time, these are stuffed animals. <laughs> so that's also part of the same legacy along with Calvin and Hobbes. Although Calvin and Hobbes does show the reality as well as the fantasy. That's the difference. Yeah, exactly. But I think Commander Keen is more along the lines of Winnie the Pooh in the sense of not showing the reality, but showing the imagination as if it's reality and leaving the audience to decide if it's imagination or not. Yeah, yeah I think leaving that up to the audience is probably the better angle to go with that. But I think that's probably where we're going to wrap this one up. Probably. We're a bit short, but I don't know that there's a whole lot more to get into unless we try to cast it. Yeah, exactly. But how do you cast a kid in an animated movie? You just, you get a kid. That's what works every time is when they actually get a kid. Yeah, you get a voice actor who works for it. Yeah, and in terms of other roles, obviously, you just get people 
people who can do it, who give a good performance. There's not really any specific people I'd say should play any particular role other than... Yeah, there's no dream casting for this one. No, I mean, ideally you want to give some jobs to actual voice actors. That would be nice, but... Yeah, maybe don't lean so hard on the famous names, but lean hard into the voice actors who are good at this because that's their goddamn job. Yeah, because I think people like voice actors. People know the names of voice actors, people who care about animation. So I think... I certainly do. I don't think, like, casting Justin Timberlake is going to really draw more of an audience than casting John DiMaggio in the same role. Yeah. Uh... I don't know that they're the same type, but uh, you get my thought, because people like cartoons. People like these people. I get your meaning. You get a famous name who's done voice work versus a voice actor who does voice work in a lot of things. Yeah, but in terms of the role of Billy Blaze, obviously he should be played ideally by an actual child. An actual kid. Not necessarily an eight-year-old, but maybe a ten-year-old, you know? Yeah, what's really interesting is a voice actor, Greg Griffin, who does the voice of Daphne and Vamber on Mighty Magiswords. Her son is a voice actor, Mm. and her son's obviously much younger. Uh, and I think he's on The Loud House now or something like that and is also in like a brand new series or something. He might be a good choice for Keen. Huh. Is he good at Snark? Uh, honestly, I haven't heard any of the things that he's done yet. I just know that he's getting work now and is, you know, obviously a kid. So, right. <laughs> but that's unfortunately the only kid idea that would come to me. I mean, we're not saying like do the Gravity Falls technique of the two kids are voiced by 30 or 40 year old actors. Yeah, no, I mean, that can work very well sometimes. I mean, I'm really enjoying the voice work on the kids in DuckTales and I enjoyed Gravity Falls and that can work but I think for this, I think you want to go more the route of how Pixar has been doing it and how these companies more recently have been doing it where they've been casting actual kids. Yeah, keep it authentic. Go for the authenticity of a younger voice actor who can actually perform in the role. Yeah, and like Moana. Moana was also an actual kid, I believe. Yeah. So you go in that angle and I think, speaking of Moana, I kind of want Lin-Manuel Miranda to write the song for Keen Dreams. Your 22-minute episode. (laughs) Yeah, I kind of want Lin-Manuel. That's just an idea. Or Team Starkid. Team Starkid. Get Team Starkid to do the Keen Dreams musical. I don't know who Team Starkid is. Oh, they are, they're on YouTube and they've done a bunch of musicals and put up the entire shows. They did the Very Potter musicals. That was a trilogy. Okay. They did a musical about Jafar. They've done a musical called Me and My Dick. They've done a bunch of like parody musicals and stuff and some original stuff. They did one called Starship that was like a cross between Aliens and Starship Troopers as like a parody musical and it was great. They've done, and and Darren Chris, do you know who that is? Yeah, he was on Glee and he played Music Meister on The Flash. Right. He is from Team Star Kid. He was the guy who played Harry Potter in the Very Potter Musical trilogy. That's where he got his start. Okay, yeah, I I remember hearing about the Very Potter Musical, but I didn't realize that was a whole production company that did other things. Yeah, that's where Darren Chris came from and they're still doing stuff. I think the latest show they posted was the guy who didn't like musicals. I haven't watched it yet, but I will because I love Team Star Kid. And I think that troupe knows what they're doing. You get those people, whoever's writing the songs. I guess Darren Crisk wrote some of the songs back in the day. I don't know who's writing the songs recently now that he's doing other stuff. But you get somebody from Team Star Kid to write songs for Commander Keen, Keen Dreams. I think that would be a, a great thing. Hell, I would watch their Commander Keen stage musical. That's my next suggestion. Hey, Team <laughs> Star Kid, you want an idea for a fucking musical? Do Commander Keen. That is an idea. There is the spinoff that 
we really, really were pushing the hardest for. Yeah, and not necessarily even just Keen Dreams, just do Invasion of the Vorticons as a musical. As a stage musical. That would be cool. It'll be playing right after the Percy Jackson and the Lightning Thief musical. Is that a thing or is that something you just... Which is an actual real musical that is on stage here in Chicago right now in previews. Mm. That is a real thing. Talk about things I never thought I'd see adapted into musical. That one is at the top of the goddamn list. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I... right after Pretty Woman, which was here a couple months ago. Uh, oh. <laughs> I don't know. But anyway, yeah, so... <laughs> It's ridiculous. I don't know why that's a musical. I have, I don't know anything about that musical other than it's based on that movie and it's a musical, but I don't know yeah, why. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know why is kind of the, the most loud thing you can say about that is why is this existing? So, yeah. All right. Well, uh, I think that's enough for delving into Commander Keen. Like we said, if you're not familiar with the property, you can certainly check it out. It is certainly available, even though it's an older game. It's on Steam. Yeah. I think that's a good place to call it. If you have an IP and in intellectual property that you think we should discuss on the show, please email it to us at ipconsultantspodcast at gmail.com or you can tweet it to us at ipconsultpod or write us on a Facebook at facebook.com slash ipconsultpod. You can, of course, always hear the podcast at ipconsultants.podbean.com and various other formats like that there. Once again, I have been Ian. And I have been Vincent. <laughs> and, and we have been your IP Consultants. We'll talk to you next time. Have a tasteful tuna.